Praise Jesus. Let us turn to God's word from Psalm 51, starting in verse 15. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion, and in your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let's pray one last time. Lord Almighty, we come before your word. And Lord, there are many things that would distract us from hearing your word. We're tired. We are distracted. We allow far too much sin in our lives. But Lord, we confess that the message of the gospel is the great antithesis to everything that our culture teaches. And 167 hours a week, we are bombarded. Lord, may this one hour this week be where we hear your word and your Holy Spirit comes and makes it living and active in our hearts so that we will be more and more the men and women of God that you have created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. A vanilla Americano and a blueberry scone. That is a proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. I, it, it amazes me how much I love food. And what makes food even better is having this food with someone that you love, someone that you are interested in knowing more and, and getting together and enjoying a great conversation. Of course, for some of us, I think all of us like the food thing, but for some of us, you'd rather have the food with a book by yourself or, you know, enjoying your favorite internet crack more than being with other people. And no matter which of these two groups you fall into, we in the United States have the perfect phrase to describe it. Me time. Me time is when you do what you want to do at your own pace and you don't have any responsibilities and it's all about me. Me time, of course, has become the sign of the good life in the United States and in much of the world. And for good reason. I mean, everybody needs to take a breather sometimes, right? I mean, we're all running helter-skelter around all of our lives. Sometimes you just need an Americano and a blueberry scone. But of course, that isn't the problem, is it? The problem is that we've come to depend on me time. We are addicted to anything that will distract us from the meaninglessness of life that we are living 10 megapixels a second. The fallenness that expresses itself in this curse was noted way more than a century ago, far before Americanos and blueberry scones. 
the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What is called resignation is confirmed desperation. From the desperate city, you go into the desperate country, and you have to console yourself with the bravery of minks and muskrats. Only now we call them professional football players. A stereotyped but unconscious despair is concealed even under what are called the games and amusements. Think internet crack and movies of mankind. There is no play in them, for this play must come after work. Indeed, one of my former pastors said that most people disobey the Sabbath, the, work, the fourth commandment, not by working on the Sabbath, but by not working the six days before it. Me time is all too often me refusing to do the work that is necessary so that the play, the relaxation, the refreshment that comes really is meaningful. Being happy does not come by loving yourself or by getting a Kit Kat bar. Jesus instead tells us to pursue happiness in sacrifice. Now, I want to give a fair warning. What I'm about to say flies absolutely in the face of conventional wisdom. If you want to stay on the right side of history, just ignore what I'm going to say. But if you want to stay on the right side of Jesus, then I want you to hear what he has to say. Because Jesus wants to convince you and me of the rightness of sacrifice as the most fulfilling, the most joy-producing, the most satisfying way of life possible. Jesus wants to enable you and me to know that we know what it means to live the good life. So, let's read our passage. It's Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. Jesus said, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. My friends, today I beg you to hear the wisest counselor in the universe who is giving you very specific advice. If you want to really live, if you want to live the very best life possible, then you and I need to change how we do me time. If you come to terms with what Jesus is saying, 
you will understand that you can't catch happiness by pursuing it. And you can't catch happiness by ignoring your responsibilities. You will only really live the good life when you and I pursue happiness in sacrifice. Now, what I'm talking about, everybody here knows already. You know this. You've seen it all your life. This hunt after the good life that everybody wants. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody wants to live a good, happy life. But this hunt is fraught with all kinds of obstacles and dangers that will hinder you. Not the ones that first come to mind, you know, like lack of time or lack of money. No, 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 no. The dangers and the obstacles to you achieving the happiness that you're chasing after are things like too many choices. Too many distractions. Too many cozy armchairs at your favorite coffee place. Flannery O'Connor identified this danger decades ago. She wrote in a letter to her friend, Picture me with my ground teeth stalking joy, fully armed too, as it is a dangerous quest. And so... We come here today with this absolute need that all of us share to get the greatest, the person who lived the greatest life in the world to give us advice on how to arm ourselves for the dangerous quest of achieving happiness in 21st century United States. And we get his very countercultural advice in verse 34. Jesus calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. My friends, <coughs> if you want to be fully armed to the teeth in your pursuit of happiness, the weapon you need is the cross of Christ. Now, I want you to notice that Mark, right off the bat, starts these statements about denying yourself as to the crowd. Jesus is speaking to the crowd. He's not speaking to, you know, the high, holy people that we think well of. He's not talking about the Mother Teresas or the Billy Grahams. He's talking about you, and he's talking about me. Because discipleship and the discipline that is necessary to be a disciple is not for some elite class of believers, not for rock star Christians. Everybody wants to be happy. Therefore, everybody must take up your cross. Now, the second obstacle that we run into is this phrase, take up your cross. Oh my goodness, it's probably one of the most misunderstood phrases in the entire Bible. If I hurt my thumb or I lose my job, it's my cross to bear. If my boss makes me work overtime or not enough time, it's my cross to bear. If my kids give me too much attention or not enough attention, it is my cross to bear. Banish those thoughts from your minds. There is no first century Christian who would have thought such 
nonsense. Neither do any of the three-quarter world Christians that are alive today think that this is what Jesus means. My friends, these are first world problems, not bearing Jesus' cross. Bearing a cross, on the other hand, means going to your excruciating execution. Bearing the cross means martyrdom. Bearing the cross means real sacrifices or suffering born specifically due to your witness or your profession of faith in Christ and Christ's good news. Now, it's true. We suffer all the time for things that are not related to bearing our cross. We bear all kinds of burdens like unemployment or like wayward children or like poor health. And when we do it in such a way that people see that we trust Jesus instead of these props around us, we are doing what's called walking by faith. That's what walking by faith is all about. And when we do this, others will see God more clearly through our trials. And we too will know Him better as we walk by faith through our trials. And therefore, we will love Him more and trust Him more. And this attitude of walking by faith, that's what that is, is necessary to bearing your cross well. But it is not the same thing. The bottom line of all this is that to take up your cross is to live in such a way that you and your worldly interests take a back seat to Christ and His controlling interests. You and me and my worldly interests are not the decisive point in you and me deciding what to do next. Dallas Willard put these two related ideas together very well. And I can't beat how he says it. Self-denial or being dead to self is the condition where the mere fact that I do not get what I want does not surprise or offend me and has no control over me. The mere fact that I do not get what I want doesn't surprise me. I mean, come on, guys. Should it surprise us? Life isn't Burger King. And does it offend me? Oh, Lord, it offends me far too often, more than I want to admit. But ought it? And ought the fact that I don't get what I want control me? Not if I'm bearing my cross. Not if I'm walking by faith. This, then, is the first sense of what it means to pursue happiness in sacrifice. Dying to self does not mean you never get an Americano and blueberry scones. Dying to self means that you don't use this me time to prop up your self-esteem. By the way, the only time self-esteem ever occurs in the Bible is in Philippians 2.3. You want to know what it says? I'll tell you. Esteem others better than yourself. Dying to yourself means that you don't build what you believe to be the good life on eating or dieting 
for that matter, or anything else that cannot satisfy you forever. Instead, you and I must build our confidence, we must build our life on the confidence that you belong to Jesus and therefore do those things that he wants us to do, which sometimes, fortunately, includes Americanos and blueberry scones. And that is how you catch true happiness. Jesus is reflecting exactly this idea when he says in verse 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels, the good news that Jesus came to die for your sins, will save it. Now, this won't surprise you to hear me say this, but Jesus is the master communicator. He is the best communicator that has ever lived. He knows how to use language to its fullest. And so he would often say things that would startle his hearers, like whoever would save his life will lose it. Which is it, Jesus? Which, which one? He says that in this way to catch you, to slap you awake. Because we're hypnotized by the carnival of choices that keep going around and around and around before us so that we're so dizzy. If you live in such a way that you use your me time to look out for number one, you will end up losing your life to things that cannot last. All the money in the world won't buy you anything on your deathbed but a soft pillow. But it won't buy you the friends and families that makes both living and dying worthwhile. Instead, Jesus is calling you to pursue the good life by running hard after him. Do the things you know you must do because you love Jesus. Look, I'm not going to tell you anything new right now. Read our Bibles. Serve others for our joy and for his glory. Share our God story with everyone who will listen. And joyfully come together. Make Sundays and other times that you gather together with friends and family who belong to Christ a joy. Run to it. Don't run from it because there's nothing else to do and the football season hasn't started yet. Instead, do these things not to earn brownie points. Do them because the wisest man who ever lived told us that they would strengthen us for the war that we live in. Then, John Piper's given us some questions to ask ourselves. I wrote them on the back of your notes. You don't have to write them down fast. What is it that you're trying to make much of? Do you want to make much of Christ in the world or do you want to make much of yourself, your business, your family, your hobbies? What are you passionate about seeing exalted, praised, and enjoyed? How can my life count to advance the cause of Christ? You see, you and I, we get so wrapped up in our first world problems that we are blind to the blindness that we suffer. Listen, I'm talking about me. 
I'm not even talking to you primarily. I'm confessing my own sinful blindness because I become so self-centered and I make up all kinds of reasons why I need this or I deserve that. And this blindness is the result of a prideful heart that is both deceptive and sick. And the medicine for that is to pursue happiness in sacrifice. One of the earliest lessons I learned as a pastor is that whenever I started feeling sorry for myself, whenever I needed a pick-me-up, I discovered that the surest thing to cheer me up was making hospital visits. There's nothing like a dose of reality thrown on my first world pity problems. But I want to be careful to note that the joy didn't return because I realized my problems were small. The joy returned as I was serving these people because I was listening to the greatest doctor who ever lived. And he gave me a prescription. When you want to pursue happiness, when you really want to have the good life, when you want to have a full and meaningful life, serve others. Because that is what will get it. Service always involves sacrifice. And you can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without sacrificing. And that is why love is what gives us lasting joy. So pursue happiness by loving others so that God looks good compared to all the shiny stuff we keep trying to gather around us. And that's exactly what Jesus says in verses 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? My friends, most of you have lived in this world long enough that you know that everything that glitters is not gold. And even if it is gold, the cost you pay to buy it is way too high. Instead, what you really want is not gold. What you chase after gold for is this elusive happiness, this joy that can only be won through giving up the love of gold. And sometimes a trip to my favorite coffee store. These two verses put in excellent contrast what it means to say sacrifice. I take what Christ means is exactly what David meant in Psalm 51, where he says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you don't delight in bulls and rams and cows and all these things that I put on an altar, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh Lord, you will not despise. And then he breaks out into song and he says, Do good to Zion. Do good to your people. And in your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Protect us, Lord. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. 
Now, what is, he, what is he getting at? What is the heart of this? How does this apply to us? David tells us that your sacrifice, the thing that you glorify God with, your sacrifice is that you praise Jesus more than stuff. Now, that is a big sacrifice in our culture. Your sacrifice is that you actually repent of your sin rather than just, oh, I'm sorry I did it, but you're caressing your sin out of sight. Your sacrifice is that you use your resources for God's kingdom as opposed to propping up your self-esteem. Now, just like the antidote to self-pity is serving others, the antidote for my lust for stuff and or me time is turning my thoughts and praise to God. This is the sacrifice, the offering that the author of Hebrews calls the sacrifice of praise. And this is how you pursue happiness with this kind of sacrifice, with turning your attention to Jesus. By the way, as a side note, when you're, when you're doing your me time, when you're taking your time away and you're with your internet crack or whatever it is that you're doing, if you have to hide what you're doing during your me time, from someone, your boss, your spouse, maybe you ought not be doing that. Just a thought. Instead, praise Jesus. Praising Jesus for everything around you. Praising Jesus for the circumstances you are living. Praising Jesus for the relationships that He is using to mold and shape and carve you. Praising Jesus is how you grow in your ability to enjoy life. Life now and life in eternity which is exactly where Jesus turns at the end of our passage where he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father and his holy angels. Ultimately, living for stuff, circumstances, and relationships leaves us flat exactly when we need them most. Living so that you can get off by yourself and away from your responsibilities doesn't work out in the end. They don't pay off when you're standing before the only judge who matters. And this is why the happiest people are those who put sacrifice and service above lucrative careers or long vacations. Again, I'm not saying don't make money, and I'm not saying don't take vacations. I'm saying don't put those ahead of what is really important. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, come on, pastor, what evidence do you have that sacrifice is better than having millions and millions of dollars? Well, fortunately, I don't have to come up with a lot of evidence because I know all of you already know it yourselves. But perhaps Brad Pitt can help us with this thought. I took this quote that I'm about to read from his website, Last Thursday, Brad's responding to the questioner, man, I know all these are supposed to seem important to us, the car, the condo, our versions of success, but if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? Sounds like he read Thoreau. 
If you ask me, I say toss all this. We've got to find something else. Because all I know is at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being, and I don't want that. Pray for Brad Pitt. Brad and Angelina do good things. But it's not enough. Obviously, they still haven't found what they're looking for. You can, though. You can when you pursue happiness and sacrifice. A very good example of this is the famous explorer and medical missionary David Livingston. The almost knowing Wikipedia describes him as one of the most popular national heroes of the late 19th century in Britain. Protestant missionary martyr, working class rags to riches, riches inspirational story, scientific investigator and explorer, and anti-slavery crusader. Now, I'm going to read John Piper's commentary on Livingston's commentary on Me Time. Piper writes, David Livingston gave his life to serve Christ in the exploration of Africa for the sake of the access of the gospel. On December 4, 1857, he spoke the sentence that has made the greatest impact on me. It is one of the clearest applications I've seen of Jesus' words in Mark 10, 29-30, which say, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands or me time for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Now let's read David Livingston's commentary on this as he spoke to Cambridge students. Livingston said, For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa, away from all the Americanos and blueberry scones. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and healthful activity? The consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say, rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, and danger now and then with the foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life. See, there's the blueberry scones right there may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let us, let this only be for a moment. Are these, the, all these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed for us. I never made a sacrifice, says David Livingston. My friends, I beg us this morning don't let your first world problems dissuade you from pursuing the cross. Don't let a constant obsession with me time keep you from the real happiness, a happiness that is only found in sacrifice. Lord Almighty, we come to you with a heart that is desperate for relief, for recharging, for, for experiencing your grace. 
I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to have this and have it because we are pursuing you and we are pursuing the things that you have told us will strengthen us for the war in which we live today. Give us great grace, Lord, because we need it. This is a very anti-cultural message. Give us grace, Lord, to hear it. And then give us strength as we take from your table.